everybody. Welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today we're kicking off Mental Health Awareness Month by speaking with Dr. TK, licensed clinical psychologist and number one therapist business coach. How's it going today, Dr. TK? It is going good. I have no complaints. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And that is an incredible title, the number one. Uh, tell us all about that. Like uh, we usually go into 15 second elevator pitch, but like I, I want to know about like number one because I want to be number one in something. Yes. So that title actually took me some time to, I'm going to say, step into the shoes and become that person. That person has been on my vision board for a while, but I had to realize over time how much expertise I do have even beyond being a psychologist. And I knew that I was good at what I did. I knew that a lot of people don't do um, what I do specifically for therapists because we have coaches, but not specifically so niche down to therapists. And so I decided to declare the title. I've showed up and showed out for my community and they vouch for me every time on social media. I love it. I love it. Well, I just, I guess, kind of just for general awareness purposes, not knowing where everyone sits in, you know, in terms of their education level on this, like, first of all, like, what is, you mentioned coaches, like, what's the difference between a therapist and a coach? Yeah. So that's a very good question because it comes up a lot with the therapist. (laughs) And so, So um, I'm going to say for mental health, um, we look at functional impairment. And so someone can say that they're depressed, but even in therapy, for example, in an intake, we want a little bit more than you saying you're depressed because you can be sad today and angry tomorrow, but you're still depressed. And so I want you to be more descriptive in terms of how you feel, how do you show up? But then even though somebody may meet the mental health criteria, because we have a book like a checklist of all of these things, considering cultural diversity as well, we also have to see if those symptoms have an impairment in your academic performance if you're in school and or your occupational functioning or business functioning and or interpersonal relationships, which are your relationships with family, friends, and romantic relationships. So most of us have heard the word like functional alcoholic. And that just really means that somebody is under the influence, but it has no impairment in their ability to function well in any of those three categories. And we also focus a lot on your historical context to figure out how did the person sitting across the couch for me, or if we're doing telehealth, how did you become the person that you are today? Now on the flip side for coaching, they do collect information in terms of historical context, even as a business owner, I need to know what have you done or have not done in your business, but we don't stay there. Our whole goal is to look at where do you want to go and what strategies do we need to put in place to move you forward? And so that's the biggest difference that we even give just general public when they're deciding to choose a therapist or a coach, because I firmly believe as a psychologist, first, if you have not cleared out the baggage first from your past, we're going to do all this work in coaching and then you're still going to be stuck. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe kind of a silly question, but are, are you the, are you the therapist for the therapist? Are you the therapist coach? Like let's go into a little bit with like what your, your role is. No, that's funny. Cause I had bought that URL like three, like <laughs> nice. three years ago, <laughs> like therapist for the therapist. And so it's interesting. I think that me being a business coach, I do, and I, I make it a purpose, I guess, to get this information too. I've made it my mission to help therapists see that they can have the and versus the or. And so I help them focus not just on business success, but also on lifestyle abundance, not just money. Like if, if I'm a, if I'm a mom, I want to be able to show people that you can go to the playground with your child, have energy for your child and your spouse or your partner, and be able to have a rocking business, you know, throughout the day. And so, I mean, 
mean, I find that, you know, people believe that they can have the either or mentality. And I really want to help people see the and that they can have both. Yeah. Well, I guess let's let's talk a little bit about like where this all started. I mean, there's always there's always a story here. So like, I don't know where to like where to start for you. But like, like even just going back to like what you got into, what got you into therapy or psychology in the first place? Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually make this part of my intro to my programs to my students, because I believe that as a coach, too, they need to see that somebody else has walked into their shoes. Um, I'm not just a pop up coach, you know, online that says I'm a therapist and I can coach you. I believe it started well before I was aware of it, but I've always been like a leader. I've always been a non procrastinator. And I would say that I really saw the sense of leadership when I was in my graduate program. So I didn't go straight into my doctoral program. Wasn't sure if I wanted to spend that long in school, but I went to my master's first two year program. And because it was two years, we had to take a lot of it up electives. So there was an elective that popped up that said teaching and psychology. And I thought that was interesting because here I am 23 years old, looking 18, you know, and I really wanted to learn how to teach. And so I got that first opportunity, became a TA to undergraduate students, and I really loved it. And so then I went to get my doctorate degree. And I always say that I became a professor on accident, but I now know that nothing is ever on accident. It's on assignment because clearly I'm here. But um, to make a long story short, I was working in the back office of the school for the bachelor's department, came in one day looking rough because I came from a kid's camp and some professors that I work for said, hey, do you teach? And I'm like, no, but I want to, but I'm not paying them any mind. And they said, well, we had a professor that recently left. Can you teach a class? And I'm like, when? They were like in four weeks or something. And I'm like, no. And so they said, are you sure? Here's the book. Go look at the book. Come back Monday and let me know. And I'm like, what the heck? So I went back looked at the book. It looks pretty fun. Social psychology, which is the interaction amongst a group of people. <laughs> and so I chose to take the leap of faith. No one knew it was my first class after a 15 week course until I slipped up on the last day during a party and told them so. But I believe that that was the birthing of my coaching business because the way that I look at the way I coach, I'm a trainer first, you know, I'm a teacher. And so that's why I also believe that the information that I provide my community, it's broken down in very digestible and easy pieces because I'm used to it by building a syllabus, whether it be online course or um, in person. And so I believe that teaching online courses got me all prepared for when I decided to then offer this service, because even offering the coaching service by divine assignment happened again, where I just start building my business. People start asking me, how did you do that? How did you leave a six figure job and build your own business? And then somebody said the magic words, which was, can I just pay you to teach me? Can I pay you to teach me how to leave my job? And I was like, oh, this is like a business. <laughs> and then that's how it started. And then I just kept perfecting my craft after that. Amazing. Let's let's like really zoom in on that a little bit more. Uh, so like, were you a were you an actual practicing therapist first before the next phase came or? Yeah. So I was a full time employee for Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. And it is a big community. And so I was actually working in the jail system with kids for about four and a half years. And before that, of course, we have to do a lot of hours working in the community just to get licensed. We have to get 3000 hours and then sit for two exams. And so I was working in the community at that time. And then during 2012, I had had that job for two years. I decided to take a leap of faith and go ahead and open up my private practice. Now, one of the bigger problems back then, which again, speaks to what I do now and going back to the question about the title is I started to look for other therapists that were able to teach because I didn't know coaching existed, able to teach me how to do what I wanted to do. And I couldn't find anybody. They would just have a seminar, but no one actually sat down and gave 
give us like a blueprint or anything. And so a lot of things that I did, of course, were self-taught Googling and YouTubing everything. But I believe that that also, it prepared me for who I am today, but it also slowed down my process because I did not have guidance. And so I was practicing for a while. Then I had a solo practice. Then again, people see me with a solo practice. They said, can I intern for you? I'm like, sure. Cause I was a clinical supervisor. So I did both admin and direct service. And then next thing I know, I have a group practice with seven therapists, you know, under me for about five years. And then around the middle of that group practice, that's when I started getting hired to coach other people. Cause people were watching my journey and never said anything on social media up until a certain point. And then I just started getting referrals word of mouth. I wasn't doing anything on social media, no email marketing. And I did all of that from scratch with no coach. Amazing. When you're getting these queries coming in saying, teach me how to do this. Like, like first of all, like where did those people come from? How did they know about you? Like, I, I don't know like what the time frame was that this was happening. Like, like how did they find out about you? I guess in the first place. So one of the first referrals that I received, it was a few of them was one of my interns was we actually started working in the jail together, but then she wasn't licensed yet. And I got licensed first. So then when I parted ways and start working at another facility, you know, she started meeting new people and they're starting to ask her like, Hey, you know, what are you doing the weekends and things like that? And she was like, Oh, you know, she started talking about private practice. And so I guess from what she told me, cause I wonder too, um, as she just started telling people what she did outside of the jail work, they were just more intrigued. And then by default, she just started telling them about me and all the things that she was learning. And so they said something like, well, do you think she can teach me? And so she, I remember the one person, cause she texted me and said, Hey, Takesha, such and such is a psychologist that works at this facility. They want to one day leave the jail. Can you teach them what you were doing with us in your private practice? And I'm like, sure. Didn't know that was called a consultation. And that's how the ball start rolling. And as you can imagine, word got out more so behind the scenes and people just kept talking to each other. And then some of my professors and old supervisors that worked in the county, that's how I actually got my first paid client beyond just consultations is that one of my pre-doctoral supervisors sent a clinician that she was close to, to me because this clinician wanted to leave the county job in 30 days because she was burnt. And that was the first clinician who I built an online course for. Wow. Like talk about handing you a fire that you have to... One that comes with a, a, a stopwatch too. Uh, let's. I'd love to just kind of zoom in on like just the next phase of where you're at. Like, when did this become? You know, you you started just word of mouth referrals, talking back and forth with these people who hear about you. How did you get the idea to actually turn this into like a true course? Was it in fact just this situation? You're like, I got to build you a course. Literally, that that's what <laughs> it was. And so now, keep in mind, remember the historical context. I was working for three universities, like part time. And one of the universities I was working for handed us an online platform. We just had to facilitate the course and update the syllabus. But then there was this other college, the one that gave me my first teaching job. They went from being in the classroom face-to-face, doing everything on paper, to then calling me into the office to have me be, now I know it's a beta project. That's what I know it is now. But they were having me be part of their beta and tell them what it takes to move a class to a blended course format of putting the courses online. But keep in mind, they also did not have an online course 
e-commerce platform. So that's how I first learned how to build a course from scratch. And so I like for therapists to hear that because when they see what I do, they quickly will say, oh, I want to build an online course. It's not that easy. Drag and drop like a Wix platform or something. And I'm like, no, you need a framework. You need you know, to solve somebody's problem. And so I originally created the website platform for that therapist because I realized that I was giving her a lot of homework assignments. And she, unlike everybody else, had a exit idea while everybody else was entertaining the idea of leaving their job. So I felt like I wanted to give her something tangible that she can go back to because I knew it was a lot of information in 30 days. And I told her that and she said she doesn't care. Cool. You know, so I created it for her. And then people who came after her, I just start enhancing the course portal based off of where their needs were. And then I'm going to say about four to five years later, after therapists here and there, I did realize during that time that it was a business, but I never separated the business back then. My business was a mental health business. And I would just, for example, if it's taking their funds and putting it into an account, it all just went into one pot. But then I started to recognize that, no, I want a lot of my time to be for therapists. And what really happened is when 2020 shut that down in terms of therapists having to work from home. I call this the therapist case. So before then, it was everybody had their own portal. But then there was the trend of therapists wanting a community because they felt alone before the pandemic. The pandemic heightened the sense that they can't see each other anymore. But private practice is very lonely as it is. And so I decided to do a beta launch in 2019 of July for my first cohort of the Dope Therapist Academy. That's for private practice. All that was, was an enhanced version of what all these therapists had got individually, but their own little portal. And so I invited them to join us in the group so they can have a community. I had my first cohort of 12, no email list. I was just hosting a webinar every other day, <laughs> doing it as I was taught to do an online course. And then I didn't plan to have another launch until summer of 2020. But then March happened and slept on it. I had a download from my higher power that said, you need to make this available now because you got therapists on a wait list that's waiting. And so I decided to move it up until May. We had 16 people. We did what's called an accelerated program, a four-week program that used to be eight on Saturday mornings because you can't go nowhere else. <laughs> so might as well do it two hours. And those therapists quadrupled their caseload, left their nine to five jobs, start making five to $10,000 um, a month, part-time and full-time. And then at that point in May, that's when I realized how many more therapists could use this, but they may be sitting in a, a phase of fear because they just don't even know that I'm available. Most people don't even still know that you can find a therapist business coach to help you with private practice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I granted I'm not a therapist, so maybe I'm not in the, the same realm, but like it definitely was like, as I was originally kind of just checking out your website and learning more about you, like I was first trying to figure out, like I thought, well, man, she's a therapist and that's where it kind of came up in the beginning. I'm like, oh, you're the therapist therapist. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like you got the domain. So I may be infringing on a trademark, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about kind of just the economics so that we can wrap our mind around. Um, like when you started out with your first, like you said, it was 12 people. Was it at this point where you still kind of in that phase of like, well, I just need to solve because I'm teaching the same stuff over and over again? Or was this already showing like economic viability on that first round? So it was showing economic viability, but I didn't believe in it. And so one of the things that I now clearly teach my clients is that when you have a valued point in terms of how much you're worth per hour and how much you charge in your business, I know it's difficult because I've been there, but you just need to work up your way to let the numbers 
numbers roll off your tongue and out of your mouth. Because the, it's interesting, the, the price that our program, the same program was last year, was the actual real price that it was supposed to be in 2019. And those therapists knew that. They saw the fee on the screen. But then I got scared because I started counting people's pockets because I'm listening to them talk about how scary it is. They don't, they got to pay student loans. So I'm assuming they can invest. But really what I was doing is I was projecting how I felt when I first got into coaching, because I did eventually find like marketing and branding coaches, but even paying someone beyond what my degree makes me pay to stay licensed, I didn't even understand. It's not that I didn't think it was needed. I just didn't understand why I had to pay for something extra when I got a six figure loan (laughs) for my first degree, you know? And so I, you know, uh, started projecting on to those clients and then I kept lowering my price. And the problem is as I started putting in more work, building my course, um, I loved my clients. A lot of them are still around and in some of our higher level programs, but I told myself I will never do that again. So every launch, I went back up in price in stages to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And (laughs) I really believe in loss of attraction because when I declare what my price was, that's when I actually started attracting like everybody who was my ideal client. Like it was beautiful. Like people didn't drop off. People didn't ask for a refund. I'm like, nobody has asked for a refund in our program in over six months. And I was like, now I'm starting to attract who I want because one, I'm showing up as the business coach that they were probably seeking a long time ago, even though I showed up, but not as hard as I am now. But also I'm giving them the confidence because I'm confident in my prices. So therefore they're confident in their prices. And now they can actually charge how much they're worth because therapists were taught to work for free for so long. This is a little bit of a segue, but like talk about something that uh, people probably genuinely need some therapy around and that's pricing. Like this is applicable, not just to therapy or therapist, but like everywhere. Like I, I even like some of my earlier business endeavors, like that was always a blocker. Like you could probably put together an entire course just on pricing therapy. Yeah, we actually, in our call two weeks ago, we talked about the psychology of buying and it's actually part of like my assessment. So um, I'll back up for a second. So what I do do in order to get the clinicians exposed to my program and because I'm a teacher is that I do an assessment because I'm a firm believer that like, I'm not that coach that says, oh yeah, every therapist needs my program or you're not going to be successful. Like I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that all therapists are studious. You went to school for a very long time. You also know if you're a therapist that if anybody has went to grad school, anything below a B is technically an F. So what I did is I crafted based off the framework in my program, we do beat like brand B-R-A-N-D, which stands for something. And I asked them four questions in each section during every webinar bootcamp that I have. Each question is worth 25 points. And one section on there is pricing, worth, client objections. Like, do you know this? And if the, and if there's no partial credit, <laughs> you know, so if they answer yes, they can give themselves 25 points. What ends up happening is in the comment box at the end of each section, I'll have them put in their total 0, 25, 50, 75, or 100. Based off their score, if they scored 50 or below, that's an automatic fail because that's what happens in grad school, right? So what ends up happening is at the end, they realize that if they got 50 or below in most of the categories, they're telling me that they need my program. I don't need to tell you anything. So it's nice for me on one end for pricing because I don't feel like I need to sell anything. I don't need to be salesy. And that took a, a, a minute for me to understand. But instead, 
I solve somebody's problem. And I think that if business owners just remember that they're solving somebody's problem and what is the, the solution worth, not their hour that is sitting in front of the client worth, then they'll probably charge a lot more. And so I also have like just an equation I made up. Anybody who has a master's degree, I don't care what degree you have. If you have a master's degree, you're automatically worth $500 an hour. Look at all the information you have that you don't even remember that you have. Yeah. You know, but I know that therapists don't charge $500 per session, but that means you also shouldn't be charging $50. Yeah. For sure. Well, just to kind of bring this back to kind of where we were at there, kind of on the verge of the pandemic, you, you realize that there's a big audience for this. Um, can you kind of just take us through like what that journey was like? Maybe something happened in between, but you didn't have an audience yet that you mentioned or maybe were you doing you weren't doing social or anything yet, maybe or I was doing social, but my social wasn't a lot of therapists. It was a lot of things related to just how I lived in terms of travel, family, abundance. It was still abundance, but it wasn't like how you see it now. I'm only talking to therapists, you know, but anybody can clearly follow me. And so back in 2020, I'm going to speak to the business and the mental health side. So on a personal note, like I have a blended family and I like to often say that because therapists and non-therapists, this is like a taboo topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about, especially as it relates to potentially chaos in your household. So what I'm saying is that I had some chaos even before the March 2020 pandemic. I had also had my son at 38 and there were a lot of complications. And so needless to say, having a business, even after my first launch, there were ebbs and flows in my personal life in which I had to make sure that my mindset was good. I had to flow into my spirituality, you know, find good circles of influence to pour back into me and get a coach as well. I got a manifestation coach. That was one of my first coaches um, beyond strategy to teach me how to think. And, I, and some people may be thinking, well, you're a psychologist. Well, it's always easier to sit on the other side of the couch, which is why I love how some, not all graduate school programs make it mandatory that in order for the therapist to graduate, they have to do a certain amount of hours on the other side of the couch, which I think is a great thing. And so with that said, in terms of what was happening before the pandemic, on my son's second birthday, because I have a stepson in which he's seven years older, you know, imagine... having a full throttling private practice. You are also in your head planning on having one launch and you're starting to dibble and dabble in Facebook ads. You got like 25 people on your email list because it wasn't a lot. I had to pause for two days and recognize that I have a lot to give, but I need to be very strategic with how I give it because I I don't want to burn out myself as well. So at the time, I had a caseload of maybe 20 to 25 clients. I didn't want to have that many, but people just start dropping on my doorstep. And if they were my ideal client, I would see them. If they were not, I actually, COVID or not, I'm not seeing you if you're not my ideal client because I'm not going to be happy with treatment and neither are you. (laughs) And so I was very selective still. I took cash pay and insurance, but... During that time, my son was just turned two. So him running up and down with toys was a headache. Imagine having a therapy session, everybody's streaming online and you hope that the internet don't freeze while somebody crying. You know, people starting to have therapy in their cars because they have no privacy in their homes. You know, so it was just so many things that therapists had to recalibrate overnight. And then not to mention on a business perspective, because I took insurance from the state, we had, well, I'm gonna say I, (laughs) I had inquired, I'm gonna say beg, multiple times for 
for our economy, our system to set up telehealth where it doesn't require a pre-authorization, for example. Like we don't have to call and get permission. We got told no multiple times for moms who were on bed rest. Like there's people who need therapy at home. All of a sudden in 72 hours, oh, we can do therapy online, which is a blessing. And, And I'm saying that because I want business owners, whether you're a therapist or not, to hear that even though we had a lot of grief and loss and things were happening during 2020 and 2021, there was something good that had to come out of that, even if that meant that you found yourself like the real you, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, so for me, it was really about how can I show up for therapists online, but also for people in my community to show them how to balance. Well, I'm not going to say balance, but because I don't like the word balance anymore, but for them to integrate like personal life, self-care and business. And that required for me to show people how to organize their home. So if you go on my Instagram right now, you'll see me posting organizational videos. Why? Because people verbally vomit chaos onto us all the time, including clients and family and friends. And we have to compartmentalize what's going on right outside this home door because we at our home office. That is hard. And then we get depressed and again, in one space, if I go upstairs to try to do therapy, I can't do that with my toddler running around, you know? (laughs) So I just wanted to say that because sometimes we solely focus on one or the other, like, oh, what does it mean to be a business owner? What does it mean to get therapy? But if you are serving people, I don't care what you do, you need to take a time out. And so some suggestions that I gave a lot of therapists during this time, even up to today, is find another place to work. So right now I'm doing a challenge on Instagram to do an observation of what needs to be changed in your work environment because it may be chaotic, you know? And if things are chaotic, you won't even attract the right client or money anymore. And so even though I say I'm the number one therapist business coach, when you come into my ecosystem, it's way more than business strategies. It's mindset. And that's when I do bring in the psychology and people don't even recognize that I'm bringing it in because I I, <laughs> I make it look like it's a business strategy homework assignment, but it's really getting your life together. I love it. Well, I guess go, moving into like your, your first launch there, what were, what was the expectations and what ultimately ended up happening? The 2020 launch yeah. or the 29th? Okay. So 2020... I ended up having it earlier. I knew that I could do a webinar, but then something told me to just host it on YouTube. Never done that before. So I set it up on YouTube, kind of playing around with it. I did a five-day challenge. I had a good amount of people join and I do set goals. So I said that I wanted 16 people to be part of that cohort. I don't know where 16 came from. In my meditation, that's what happened. And so (laughs) I wanted 16 people. And that assessment that I was referring to, the B-R-A-N-D, we just talked about one letter per day for like 30 to 45 minutes. And then at the end of that week, I opened cart and I kept cart open. I think at that time for like two weeks, I don't do two week open carts anymore because most people sign up in the first three or four days. And so I kept it open for 16 days. And then at the same time, I was doing a lot of Instagram lives. So I was uh, nurturing my audience. And then I started, of course, sending out, I had learned then how to send out emails like post launch emails. And so I had exactly 16 people join. And one of the things that I always, highlight for the people who come in our, to our community that by far collectively has been the highest performing cohort during a time where most people were about to throw in the towel. And, and I tell therapists that join, it doesn't mean that you're not doing your job, but I'm talking about a cohort. 15 out of the 16 people were present during every single coaching call for Saturday for two and a half hours. That is a long time. Nobody dropped off early. And even the one therapist who couldn't show up because she had clients in her business, she went back and watched
watched every single replay, commented in our online community. And most of them, if not all of them had like, they had a variety of wins, whether they left their job, they declared more money at their job. They were hitting income goals. They got more clients. And one of the things I highlighted with their cohort, they just didn't get clients due to the pandemic. They were saying no to clients who didn't serve their client avatar picture. And a lot of therapists, I'm gonna say business owners too, have a hard time with that. Cause when you leave your job and you got all these bills, you just trying to pay your bills. And that's what I say when I, when I do a launch, I, I now outline and say, Dope Therapist Academy is not the right fit for you. If you just trying to say poverty and broke minded, you just want to get clients and pay your bills. Just don't join our community because we about to eat you alive. And I say it just like that. Cause I'm so confident at this point that we're good at what we have. Our community is a no toxic zone. So if you don't want to put in the work, don't join. <laughs> and my face changes just like that on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, uh, and I don't know the answer to this. I, I know you're on Kajabi now, but like, just quickly, like, what was that technical journey like um, for you? Where did you start? Uh, first of all. Yeah. So initially it was emailing assignment for the non-course people. Then I was exposed to Teachable because I took an online course to teach me how to create an online course. So that person was in Teachable. So I just used that link. And then I went to CourseCraft because I was I had another business coach, the manifestation coach. And they had told me to look at CourseCraft because it was just a lot easier or something like that. And then, but my coach had had Kajabi, like the coach that I had for four and a half years, the first manifestation coach because I joined her coaching, um, her business coaching programs. So I liked the way it felt. I liked the navigation. And I was like, there gotta be more to like what you're telling me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I started to ask questions like, what platform is this? And I pay attention to URLs. I pay attention to copyrights on the bottom. People ignore all that. And I'm like, nope, who's the web developer? I know how to look it up, you know? And so I, you know, because I, at that point was her higher level client. I said, can you tell me the difference between what you're using and what I'm using? And then one day on a coaching call, she did something and she was sharing the screen and we just so happened to be able to see like not the money part but just like all of the digital products and I'm like oh that's so pretty like I'm a <laughs> visual person I'm like oh that looks so nice so when I made the decision I did like a trial for Kajabi and I liked it but my business wasn't up until the point but this was also money mindset I thought that it wasn't up to the point where I can keep paying the monthly fee because I was looking at it from a lack perspective of oh it's money going out but I should have been looking at it and for anybody who's listening or watching um, this episode is I now focus on and what I teach is you shouldn't focus on money going out. You should be thinking about when you are able to invest, not pay. When you invest in a system, what is the system going to be able to do for you? Because I treat a system like a person. That's a that's a less person I got to hire if I utilize the platform the way it was built, you know? And so I end up joining Kajabi again because Teachable start glitching out with some of our students' access. And I became so tired because I then became the customer service rep. And I'm like, this will not happen. <laughs> so I decided to bite the bullet, go in and get in Kajabi. And I just said, I'm going to stay. And then I think I started at the, the first level. And then I realized quickly after like three months that I need more access to stuff. So I'm like, just go ahead and upgrade <laughs> to, the, to the second one. And I mean, as of last year, I had like 15 things. Cause I think that was the cap at the second level. I had like 15 courses and then y'all came out with the podcast and I'm like, come on, like, you know, <laughs> you know? so, so then I realized that a lot of my courses, this is one thing that I do like because it, it looks nice. Um, very pleasing to the eye. I recognize that every cohort for my launches, all the students had different um, course portals. And I'm like, 
it's gotten better. So why don't I just put them all in one, delete or archive the other ones because it's the same repeated information, just enhanced because I wanted to make room for the podcast before I like upgrade it. So I made room for the podcast, trained my team on it. So now we use the podcast for Kajabi. We use mostly all of the courses. I've dibbled and dabbled in the coaching part um, for like my mastermind program, just seeing like what I can do there. And then I've done a challenge, um, like a five-day challenge. And I've used like the email marketing component for automation. I pretty much dibbled and dabbled in every tab. And then I actually run a membership through Kajabi where, you know, they pay through Kajabi. They set up, I set up the subscription, the sales page, all that stuff. Very nice. Yeah. You, you know, your way around, you know, you're, and you've been, I've been through a lot of places. I <laughs> Yeah. So I, I mean, I have something to compare it to yeah. but my students. I tell them like, you know, cause they, the first thing they will look at, unfortunately is the price. So I'm like, well, let's price all of these other things that you going together. Let's do that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, no, no, get out your bookkeeping. And then I have them <laughs> add it up. And then I say, okay, and how much is it going to cost also for you to hire someone to overlook all of those things? Because I hope you don't plan on doing it because you're supposed to be running your business. And yeah. you're like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking a little bit about numbers, like uh, for the uh, the therapist out there, really anyone, you know, who's looking for some in- inspiration, like I know you've reached some some milestones and you talk about this a little bit, like share with us a little bit about what you've managed to accomplish over the last, you know, several years. So when I, I'll, I'll go job then to business. So at my job, I started off pre-licensed at like 60,000. Soon as we got licensed, because it was for the county, I got a $20,000 jump because of my title. Then from 80,000, I then moved up my ranks in um, less than five years. So I was making with some overtime, of course, $130,000 a year. And the reason I want to say that, because this is what keeps people from leaving jobs, because they will see how much they can make at the job, even if they don't do no work and they can get free benefits. I got my health insurance paid for for free, you know, with some other perks. So it was scary, but then I realized like certain things are a tax write-off, you know, there, and there's different ways. If you get a great tax person or CPA, there's different ways you can reframe how you look at money going out. So from there, clearly I opened up the part-time private practice. At that time, I was probably making up to $5,000 a month because I had a mix of insurance and private pay and insurance doesn't pay that much at all. It sucks. (laughs) So um, from there, then in 2014, I had that group practice. So between my salary job and my group practice with two interns working five hours a week, collectively, I made $250,000. And then that's when I was like, there's money out here to be made, (laughs) you know, I also realized I didn't have to put in that much work because at that point it was more like a mix of active and passive because they were doing the therapy even though I was supervising them. So my tax person asked a very good question, which is, oh, wow, you had a big jump in a year. What's your goal just for your business for the following year? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know? And I, she was like, pick a number. And when I picked the number, I met the number. And I was like, this is what goal setting is like. So from there, um, of course, years passed by. Then I had my first launch. My first launch, I made $12,000. And I was just so excited because I was just back from maternity leave, like just back from having my son. So I said, wow, this works because I went all in, you know, versus I could have gave up. And then my second launch, I made a little over $24,000 or something like that, but I still wasn't charging the amount that I was supposed to be charging. Okay. But with the 16 people, I made a good amount. But at that time, honestly, I really started stop. I stopped focusing on the money and I start focusing on servicing. And I think that that's another reframe is that you should make goals, but a lot of people are chasing money, not purpose. Um, And I tell my community that all the time, like the money will follow if you're in aligned with what you're supposed to be doing in terms of servicing, you know? Um, So from there, after that, it was over (laughs) because, 
because in 2020, I ended up having seven launches wow. um, when I was supposed to have one, right? Because of the need for mental health therapists to build their own business. So collectively during the pandemic, I increased my revenue like 438% cash collected and projected revenue for the following year. I made like 400. It was a, it was a little bit shy of $500,000. And that was part-time private practice, teaching a little bit here and there. And of course my business, but my business alone made over like 300,000. And I was like, from the previous year, 12,000 to 400. And so I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. (laughs) You know? And and I had like, you know, different types of launches. That was a time to play around. I had a live event in the middle of the pandemic and all those things. So then now I take all these programs into 2020 and in 2020, my revenue increased off the top of my head. It was like a hundred, it was like 148% or something like that. So it still jumped. And I was like this shy when I look at all my money of just my coaching business, not even counting therapy. Cause I said, now let's look at the real numbers, no therapy, just coaching, you know, with various programs from 2019 up until December, I was this shy with projected and cash collected of a million dollars. I'm like, Oh, I'm like I'm almost there. But it was just so cool. Cause ideally I want to make that amount of money cash collected, but I like to, you know, you have to go in phases. Yeah. And again, this is, I mean, I know we talk about like the background, but I'm a young woman from Compton. And, you know, there are some great things that happen and come out of that city, but there's also a lot of not so great things. And they tend to show that on the news, you know, Um, but there are great people in Compton and and people in Compton are not broke. They're not poor. They don't all come from poverty. But at the same time, if we don't expose people that come from neighborhoods like that to what is possible, I could be that person. That mindset is still there because I've lived in Compton from two until 38 years old. I just moved out right before the pandemic. And so, but my mindset wasn't incompetent. And that's what I share with people. I I claim Compton wholeheartedly, you know, but my mindset is not there, you know? So this year we're on a good stint. I'm at this point where I'm consistent with my programs, our launches, I'll just say like monthly revenue um, in total, just from coaching, we bring in between 40 and $50,000. It just fluctuates based off the launch at that time. And then we also have extended payment plans, which is why the numbers can change. But I mean, coming from a job where you bring home two thousand dollars after taxes to yeah. a business generating between 40 and fifty thousand dollars a month and me doing and serving the clients that I love that's what I like to show therapists because they say oh I gotta have a coaching business I'm like no you just have to love what you do yeah <laughs> go from one to one to one to many because therapists are trying to do one to one all the time let's talk a little bit about the mindset aspect here because I can imagine you might have a good perspective on on both of these scenarios but like something you mentioned earlier was when you said you know you have a master's degree you're worth five hundred dollars an hour. So like, I want to, I want to talk about this from two perspectives. One, if I'm the person listening to this, who has the master's degree, maybe it's not a therapist, but it's something else. Like, what are your thoughts on like, like what mindset is needed to take and utilize that skill to do something like you've done? Um, And then on the opposite end of things, if I'm a therapist, like listening to this, who's maybe earlier in their career, or maybe they just haven't found the magic uh, that you obviously are teaching. Like, I have to imagine like that if if I was in those shoes, I'd be thinking uh, there's going to be some objection, I, objection. I don't oh, know what it all is. The time. All <laughs> the time. So I'll go backward because I, okay. mean, I, see, I hear the therapist ones all the time. Um, but then I typically will say this can actually apply to everybody. It's just the programming structure is for therapists. But what I talk about is actually for every business owner. Yeah. So therapists, you know, when I do my webinars, I'll ask them, um, you know, how many of you have felt undervalued, um, underpaid? You feel like your quote unquote confidence or self-esteem is shot. And that's why you can't get paid your worth. And they'll all say, yes, yes, yes. You know, and then I'll say, you know, remind me how many um, hours you had to uh, do to get licensed again. And it gets like quite 
Hawaii. And I'm like, no, 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 put, put, put the number, you know? And so most of them will say around and about 3000. I'm like, and I curse. So I'd be like, you know, 3000 whole a whatever, you know, <laughs> hours. Right. And I'm like, and some of y'all took a couple of years to accumulate that. And you don't have to say the number, but I want you to think about how many people you've served, whether you wanted to or not, because you may have been assigned them, but you did something transformational, even if they didn't finish treatment, put a yes in the comment box, you know, like that. And then one question that just shuts them down. I'll ask the whoever's, you know, listening, uh, how many years, and this is actually, this can cover both questions. Um, how many years have you been in the field of whatever you do? And so if it's a therapist or a handyman, right, they'll say something like, oh, I just started. So a year post licensure, that sounds like a therapist, right? Or, you know, I've been doing it for like five years. And then I'll say, okay, now that you got that first part of the answer, I'm going to reframe the question a little bit. How many years have you had collectively serving this group of people, even if it wasn't what you do right now? Because the version of you that you see right now has been transitioning and transforming over years. You just don't know it. So for example, anybody who works with people, like if a therapist works with kids, I'm like, you just didn't say one day you're going to work with kids. You probably was a candy striper. You were a babysitter. You worked at a preschool, even though you didn't want to be the preschool teacher. And so I have them put in the comment box. Now I want you to go and, you know, put another number in there. I want you to calculate all of your years. And it is crazy. People go from post licensure, only two years to they got 20 years of experience. And so then that's when I'll say, so let me get this straight. You got 20 years of experience out of that 20 years, two or five of it, you know, whatever is post licensure. Okay, great. Now you got a title, but the license only just made you legit and better, you know, at what you were already doing, you know? So you mean to tell me that somebody who got 20 years of experience is only charging $85 per hour? Huh? Let me know how that works out. And on top of that, you done changed somebody's whole life. How much is that worth? Even if somebody came in here as a handyman and changed my hot water heater, you made me uncold. And that coldness would have got me sick, got me in the hospital and how much would that bill have cost? So I always point out the worst case scenario and in therapy, kind of like the chain of events. Because to me, that's mindset. What are the chain of events that will happen if you don't raise your rates to what you know or that you dream about that you should be charging? So that's one way that I battle like the challenge. I don't care what your title is. I'm debating on whether or not I want to share this with my therapist or not. I don't know if I want them raising their rates. Well, uh, tell tell me uh, like going back to the first first situation like you yeah. know, whether it's a someone has a master's or not like mm-hmm. you know yeah like what, what what are you like thinking about this maybe from your lens of, of being a coach mm-hmm. yeah so for someone who has a master's degree like the statement about I believe that they're worth five hundred dollars an hour I like math and I like numbers so I'm honestly logistically looking at well gosh how much was a grad school course because we had to do two years to five years of them. And we not using more than 80% of them, believe it or not. And so I actually challenge this objection on every webinar. And again, it could be for therapists or anyone else. And I do it like in my emails, it, you know, for signing up for the program. So some people may not know what this is, but therapy, like we know what it is. So I'll ask therapists, you know, how many of you guys remember taking statistics? And I think most people would know that if you went to college, right? Like, oh God, statistics, oh my God. You know, and then I'll say, well, how many of you are actually using statistics unless you maybe do research? And most of them who are wanting a private practice, don't do no type of research. <laughs> so they'll say zero. And I'll say, oh, okay, great. You know,
know? And then I'm like, you know, how many of you took a biological psychology class, which is combining psychological theory with the way that your brain is set up? Cause that causes Parkinson's disease and ADHD and all those things. And, you know, a lot of people were made to take it or like psychopharmacology, understanding medication, even though we're not a psychiatrist, we didn't go to medical school to become a doctor. We're a psychologist, you know, theory is psychology. So more than half of them, like don't even remember what they learned in that class after the first day, you know? And so I'm like, okay, great. How much did you pay for that class out of curiosity? Do you remember? Because I remember in mine was $3,000 every single class. And I had to do four years. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. So if I had to put a, just a general price tag on how much I'm worth, I'm at least worth one class. Yeah. And you've given somebody strategies from four to five years of coursework, not to mention, I call it the slave ship, working on the slave ship for 3000 hours. Some of that may have been paid, but it was paid at minimum wage because it was at nonprofits who couldn't afford to really pay you. And then they probably gave you the worst of the worst clients who didn't even want therapy, like mandated, <laughs> you know, clients. How much, you, you, that is that really how much you're worth? $80 a session? Really? Yeah. You know? And, and a, a flip side that I do give, because I do know that some clinicians, including myself, I like to serve the less fortunate. So we do teach a methodology in our program, but in terms of like outside of our program, what I do share is you just got to be more creative with how you get funding. I like to serve people who get out of jail. I still like to serve them even from a job, but i now serve adults. And so now I partner with nonprofits because they apply for grants and I help them understand why they need to apply for a mental health grant so that they can write me in it. And then I can come and provide the services and they can pay me from there because otherwise they can't pay my fee. I'm not going to lower my fee. I mean, negotiate it, but I'm not going to lower it to the amount that y'all really want to pay me. And that blows people's minds. Like, oh, we can partner with people. Yeah. Like go into the community and work with somebody else who has the funding or show them how to get it. And so I've been written in from one to $6 million grants and they pay me my hourly rate to do and serve who I love still. So I'm working with people who get out of prison from 20 years. Don't tell me you can't still serve them. You just got to be creative. Yeah. That tidbit is amazing there. Like you, you like almost you're creating your audience by teaching them how to pay for your service. <laughs> it's like, that's mind blowing. Uh, I, I do want to like, I want to take this kind of back to you though, again, like uh, you started out with a, you know, $50,000, a year job have grown your way on up to like, I'm just going to call it seven figures. Like, like I, it's kind of silly for me to ask the question of what has changed for you, but like, maybe just take us a layer deeper. Like what, what has changed for you as a result of this journey you've went on? Yeah. So I like to use the word becoming, I teach to it a lot is I had to learn how to one, become the person on my vision board. And the way that I did that is, I mean, if I go years back, it really started with obstacles. And I know that sometimes we like to like not remember the obstacles, but I've learned how to reframe and not call it mistakes, but call it experiences because I don't resent anything. It was horrible going through it, but I don't resent anything that I've been through because it made me the person that I am today. And especially from a therapeutic perspective to like other therapists is we do this all day sitting on the other side of the computer or the couch with everybody else. So why aren't we doing it to ourselves? And so I had to sit down, got out a journal and I really looked at how many excuses was I making up as to why I couldn't do certain things in my business and in my personal life from health to having a child. Cause my child was a manifestation baby. I found out two months before getting married that 
I had a lot of diagnoses in which I had to have like biopsies and I had to have two surgeries just to hold a child full term. You know, and I, I started to now be comfortable with sharing my journey in my webinar in the last two years, because as I mentioned, personal things like blended family infertility is real big right now amongst women, especially career women, because we put career and academics first. And then maybe we don't go to the doctor to check things out until mid late thirties these days, not early twenties. And then sometimes for some women, they're told like my myself that, oh, you got to do this to fix this. And it's invasive. What? I'm building my business. <laughs> you know, I'm getting married. <laughs> and so I believe that I've learned how to, to become the person on my vision board. I had to look at things as experiences and how can I take that and not put my journal on social media about what happened, but how can I make it teachable? Cause I'm good at teaching and I can make it teachable for people in terms of what I got out of it. I'm stronger from it. And then also even me being able to show more behind the scenes. I had like online, you will see me doing a lot of behind the scenes because I want people to see that I practice what I preach. And I believe that some people are hypocrites, coaches specifically, like, oh, do this, do this, just follow my strategy. And I'm like, are you following your strategy? Like, let me see. Like, you don't need to show me everything, but like, don't tell me to do all these things and you have no story or something to back it up. Because I think that that's what makes people more relatable is when they know that you've experienced something that, you know, just not to fix the problem. So I've learned how to feel comfortable with opening up parts of my personal life because parts of my personal life relate to my mission which is not just to have a business of abundance, but also have a lifestyle full of abundance because you should not be deferring living to make money like that. You could have stayed at a job for that, you know? Um, But lastly, I will say in terms of my money mindset, I really had to let go of the how. And people say that all the time. And that is a very difficult thing to do when you're controlling. And a lot of business owners are controlling, which is why they stay solopreneurs. They don't hire nobody. They got trust issues, right? So I had to be okay with telling myself, I'm sometimes going to hire the wrong person or they're not going to work out. I'm sometimes going to invest in systems or programs. And I realize I don't even want them no more because I'm indecisive, right? Um, I need to own that. I have a lot of ideas, but that doesn't mean I need to act upon them. That was probably my biggest lesson in 2020 because I launched so many different things. And then I'm like, all this don't sit well. But at the end of the day, like what I tell people that come into my little system is I just want your goal to be 1% better than what you were yesterday and stop striving for every time you wake up to just be the flip of what you were yesterday. That's impossible. That's inhumane. But I have to take my own advice and be okay with small incremental steps. Yeah. So, well, this has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, I feel like we could go on for another hour, uh, <laughs> like digging into more and more of this stuff. But um, I, for anyone who does want to kind of learn more about you, learn more about your program, what's the best way for them to reach you? So I would say um, first Instagram, I'm more active on Instagram um, at Dr. TK Psych, uh, spell out Dr. Uh, TK, like, and then Psych a psychologist. And then there's a link in my bio. It's drtk.com forward slash links with an S. Anytime you want to know what's going on or you want like resources, um, even like boot camps that come up throughout the months, then I'll always make sure that those links are up to date. But then if you like to consume and apply, <laughs> you know, information, also check out my YouTube because what I have done with my podcast is I've also put it on YouTube for visual people. And I've started recording them live for people who want to like chit chat with me like once or twice a week. And I do interviews with therapists so that people can see I'm not just talking about me like, 
like I'm showing you what can be done from other people. So I think that that's nice that um, it's not just a solo um, podcast. They can actually hear from other people that may be where they are, you know, or where they, um, you know, they grew, but that's where they started. I love it. Well, we will have this information in the show notes for everyone. So it's an easy link for you. Thank you once again, Dr. TK for joining us. (laughs) Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. Yes. That is all we have for you today. We look forward to seeing everyone next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.